from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to get fact-checked. Access granted. Good people of Florida, Happy New Year. We are live from Florida's Capital County. Uh, my name is Jared Grigas, and welcome back to another season of the Fact Podcast. We actually got a brand new look this year. The podcast formerly known as Fackish will now be Fact Check from here on out. Uh, so we are happy to have you guys tuning in to us once again. Uh, we are actually joined by two new faces on the team. Uh, first up, we got Courtney Mooney. Courtney, how you feeling? I'm feeling great, Jared. I am glad to hear it. We're happy to have you. Uh, where are you joining us from? Um, I'm from St. Lucie. County. Um, finished my master's at Florida State last December, so this will be my fifth session, actually. Good deal. Girl is smart as a whip. Uh, Courtney, what kind of stuff are you going to be working on for us here? Yeah, I'm working with Eddie Labrador. He is um, in charge of our community and urban affairs, growth management, and he is our general counsel, so any issues dealing with that stuff, I'll be handling. Eddie, game on Labrador. Nice little plug there. Uh, next up, we have got our second new analyst, Mr. Amir Warren. Amir, how we doing today? We're doing well. How are you doing, Jared? Um, can't complain, man. Can't cool. complain. Yeah, no, um, uh, the, the energy is high right now. To, uh, tell me a little about yourself, you know? Give yeah. the people kind of follow up with uh, kind of what Courtney said. Uh, so I'm from Jacksonville, originally, Duval County. Um, I transferred here to FAC from Leon County. This will be session number two for me. Um, but this will be the first pool session, so that's exciting. I'm currently still a grad school, um, and I'm in a dual master's program, currently getting my MSP and MPA degree, and yeah, just excited to be here. Yeah, very cool, man. Uh, we got two rising stars here with us, uh, so I got high hopes for this season of Fact Check, uh, but we will kind of jump right into things. Session will be kicking off next Tuesday, uh, as well as that 60-day countdown clock, um, so you know, the, the activity level is high this week. Um, and, you know, we will we'll be getting after it real soon. Uh, but we just wanted to give you guys a session preview of what to look out for, some of FACT's top priorities, as well as bills we've already seen either filed or moving through during those interim committee weeks these past couple months. Um, but I'll just go ahead and throw it around the horn. We will start with Courtney here uh, to talk a little bit about uh, term limits in the administration category. Yeah, term limits is back again this year. Um, it establishes term limits for county commissioners who have served for eight consecutive years in office. Um, FAC staff will be opposing this bill at every committee stop. Yeah, this is obviously a big one again, uh, you know, and this is one that our, our county folks, our membership uh, was just absolutely instrumental in last year. Uh, we had dozens of our commissioners come up and, you know, stand in the paint, go up there and testify at the at the podium um, that, you know, this is not something we need right now. There's already a mechanism in place uh, for county commissioner term limits, and that already exists at the local level. Um, so this is something we will be opposing going forward and we're really counting on your support again. Uh, so, you know, call and get in touch with your delegation members and let them know that this is not a bill that needs to be heard this session. Moving forward, we have another uh, PACE bill. That is House Bill 927, Improvements to Real Property. FAC has been working with the House sponsor so far, Representative Trabolsi, on a language clarification to the current PACE statute. Uh, just for a little bit of context, the PACE program allows homeowners to obtain financing for energy efficiency and hurricane-hardening home improvements. Uh, now, 
in theory, a PACE program administrator kind of needs the local government's blessing to operate within its boundaries. And I think most county attorneys would agree with me there. Uh, however, a controversial bond validation hearing uh, within the past year or so emboldened certain actors within this space to kind of take their PACE operations statewide with little to no oversight. Uh, so we are looking to clarify that statute uh, to require these programs to once again get that county blessing, which we believe was kind of the original intent of the statute anyway. Uh, this language is currently in Representative Trabolsi's version, but has not yet made it into Senator Martin's companion. Uh, so this is one we will be working hard on uh, going forward. And I'm going to kick it back to Courtney now uh, to talk a little bit about a big preemption uh, by Representative Esposito. Thanks, Jared. Um, like you said, this is a big preemption that we're going to see this year. Um, the bill started off as a heat exposure requirements bill, and the PCS was filed by the committee um, to incorporate broad preemptions on labor and employment. Um, this bill was temporarily postponed, but we do expect to see it agended again. Yeah, this is a bad one, Courtney. Uh, there's really two components to that preemption. There is a preemption on uh, local governments regulating wage requirements for their contract employees, their vendors, uh, as well as a broader preemption on labor and employment practices at large, kind of. And the tricky part with that one, and whether or not this was the sponsor's intent or not, uh, it reads as if counties cannot apply these regulations within their own internal operations. You know, county employees, for example. Right. Counties won't be able to enforce any special things that they want to to their staff. I mean, um, dads who want to go on paternity leave or work from home, this bill specifically just states that everything's going to fall to the state. Bingo. This is this is a bad preemption. Uh, I mean, even taken to its absolute extreme, we would have to potentially, you know, run it by DMS before we even uh, give our, our county employees a, a holiday, for example. Right, right. Um, so this is one that FAC will be opposing going forward. Uh, All right, now we're going to move into the growth management space. Uh, so we're going to start with Amir here. Uh, we have a, a familiar face yet again uh, dealing with mobility fees uh, and transportation concurrency. So, Amir, let's talk a little bit about House Bill 479. Yeah, no, for sure. So, uh, House Bill 479 comes with its companion, uh, Senate Bill 688. Um, both of these were filed by uh, Representative Robinson and Senator Martin. Uh, so, previously, uh, the latest mobility fee measures specify that only the permitting local governments can charge for transportation impacts on a development, but this bill mandates that permitting local governments to collect and account for extra jurisdiction impacts impacts. However, there is a lack of clarity on how fees related to these impacts will be determined or allocated, and this ambiguity poses challenges, especially for county road systems that extend beyond municipality boundaries. Yeah, we, we saw a similar version to this last year in House Bill 235. Uh, that is one that you know Paul McKee was fighting hard on last year. Uh, and really, the issue here is that you know roads don't exist in a vacuum, uh, and so obviously, if, if a municipality, a small municipality, is, is the one permitting for a development, uh, only the their roads are potentially the ones getting funded for those transportation mm -hmm. impacts. Um, with that being said, uh, I'm going to send it back over to Courtney. Uh, this is a big one here, and it, it's got a, a lot of moving parts, um, several bills kind of all operating in the same space. Um, but this is dealing with kind of the building permitting process at large uh, that are really trying to, let's say, streamline the, the time frames as much as possible. Uh, so, Courtney, take it away. Thanks, Jared. Um, yeah, we have a large portion of building permit bills out right now. Um, last week, during the last committee week, we heard um, Representative Esposito's 
bill on building regulations, House Bill 267. Um, First off, this bill does reduce the shot clocks for local government to approve, approve with conditions, or deny building permits. Um, and not only does it reduce the shot clocks, it reduces them for single-family dwellings, two-family duplexes, uh, townhouses, and any commercial buildings of 25,000 square feet or fewer. Um, this shot clock is reduced to 30 days. That little local government has to give them an answer by 15. And that's down from 120 days. Yeah, I mean, that's, these, you know, that's existing permitting processes. The big yeah. issue at hand here is Quite a jump. it's it's a large jump. Um, along with 15 days if an owner uses a private plans reviewer and 10 days if a building permit application is for a master plan building permit, which I'll get to in just a second. Um, and then we're just shortening the time frame for the community block grant development recovery program from 15 working days to 10. Um, so those shot clocks can definitely be not only a big time constraint, but a constraint overall for our local governments, just because they might not have the ability to get these things out that quick. Um, and getting back to the master plan building permit, um, this portion of Rep. Esposito's bill has a lot to do with McLe Representative McLean's bill and Senator Angolia's bill. Um, with the expedited approval of residential building permits. Um, this portion of the bill is for counties that have 75,000 residents or more to create a program to expedite building permits for residential subdivisions or planned communities. Um, this process is going to be a two-step process, and within this process, they must have a preliminary plat that has to be approved and basically will be the exact representation of what the whole community will look like. Um, and those developers must have a performance bond of 130%. Uh, another large takeaway with this as a whole is that by December 31st of 2017, that 50% is going to move to a 75% increase of those building permits being distributed in a batch. Uh, we are currently working with Representative Esposito, um, Representative McLean, and Senator Angolia to get this in a position where it will really work for our counties. Um, we always want to see more growth management, more people moving to Florida, and we understand that these developers need timeframes shortened so that they're not putting up so much money and losing it, but also we have to do it safely for our communities. Yeah, this appears to be part of kind of a larger DREG movement of, of the building permitting and development process or development review process at large, kind of. I think Courtney summed it up pretty well in the sense that, you know, at the end of the day, this is something of a consensus issue. I mean, even from a local perspective, a more efficient and, and effective permitting process, uh, I, I think, is, you know, a positive as far as, you know, more workforce housing within our communities, uh, better customer service relationships with these builders and developers. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it has to work from a technical perspective and from a public safety perspective. Uh, and so we're really committed to, to getting this thing right um, as it kind of moves through the legislature. Uh, moving on, we got some finance and tax stuff to talk about. Uh, that is Amir's wheelhouse. So, Amir, let's hear it. And finance and tax, to start off with something we're all familiar with and something that was a big problem for a lot of counties in the previous session, um, our FRS COLA. 
Uh, COLA stands for Cost of Living Adjustment. Um, and FRIs is meant to target uh, our retired state employees, right? Um, the cost of living is getting high, so this is viewed as more so like a communal kind of welfare system in a sense. Yeah, like Amir said, uh, this cost of living adjustment of 3% was in one of the Florida Retirement System packages last session. Uh, it ultimately did not make it into the final version that passed. Um, obviously, like you said, this is something of a well-intentioned um, policy measure, but it does come with a hefty price tag. Uh, we have not gotten a, a fiscal impact estimate just yet this session. Uh, last year, I believe it was over half a billion dollars um, for that 3% cost of living adjustment to local governments. So this is obviously something significant to counties moving forward. Staying in finance and tax, we have got a handful of committee bills uh, that are amending our homestead property tax exemption system. Amir, uh, why don't you fill us in a little bit on that? Yeah, no, for sure. So it comes in a pack of three. The first two are going to be our constitutional amendments, where uh, the third one will be our implementing bill. So it's dealing with our second homestead exemption currently at 25000 for our non-school levies, and it increases exemptions up to 50000 Um kind of problem here that we see is um, increasing homestead exemption does not provide tax relief. It more so just shifts the burden to non-homesteaders. So when I say non-homesteaders, we're thinking our renters and our businesses and things like that. So so with that being said, this is a bill that fact staff will oppose. Yeah, thanks, Samir. This is one that they'll be uh, chipping away on just about every year, it seems like. Uh, moving forward, we have a couple bills in agriculture and rural affairs. House Bill 339, as well as its companion, Senate Bill 696. Uh, these are sponsored by Representative Roth and Senator Rodriguez, uh, have a, a preemption on agritourism. Um, now, current law already preempts local governments from prohibiting or regulating agritourism practices on land classified as ag. This bill expands that preemption to include a couple new prohibited actions. Uh, for one thing, a local government may, may not require a certificate of use for agricultural facilities or agritourism venues. I believe this is just a handful of counties uh, that this would impact, uh, but it does sunset any existing ordinances or regulations one year after this bill's effective date. Uh, so this is a, a fairly significant preemption here. Uh, additionally, a local government may not limit any state-regulated agritourism industries. This includes everything ranging from uh, uh, wineries to breweries, uh, all kinds of stuff on agricultural lands. Um, so, you know, given given the preemption, uh, we will be opposing this bill this session. Uh, now, we're playing a lot of defense this session, as you have heard, but we did want to end on a high note. Uh, there are a handful of support positions in FACT's legislative platform, um, including bills that have already been filed. First and foremost, we have got House Bill 141 and Senate Bill 196 uh, by Representative Abbott and Senator Simon. These bills would provide a waiver of match for the Regional Rural Development Grants Program. Now, under current law, local governments are required to provide at least 25% in matching funds for this grant program. Uh, this would eliminate that matching requirement going forward, which will obviously save some of our more fiscally constrained counties in rural areas of opportunity, uh, you know, a considerable amount of money. Uh, so this is something that FAC will be supporting this session. Uh, I think Courtney has one for us as well. 
Yeah, uh, the acceptance of cash payments by businesses. Um, this is House Bill 35 and Senate Bill 106 by Rep. Redmond and Senator Jones. This bill requires businesses to accept cash for in-person transaction of tangible goods or services alongside other payment methods without imposing additional fees or conditions. This really just allows people to keep using cash. Uh, we heavily support this. We definitely have um, members of our counties and just of our communities who don't have credit cards or even bank accounts, and we don't want to not let them have services throughout our communities just because they're paying in cash. Well said, Courtney. It is always uh, it's always nice when FAC is able to get up there and support bills at the podium uh, instead of just playing defense. Uh, Mir, what you got for us? On my side, we're supporting Senator Hooper's bill, SB 28, which is licensing tax and EVs. Uh, this is a repeat filing, something that we've seen last session. We are also monitoring Representative Esposito's companion bill. Uh, she filed a strike all amendment, removing the license tax as well as county allocation. Yeah, so in Representative Esposito's version, uh, unfortunately, the, the portion we support dealing with uh, registration fees for electric vehicles, that is looking like it will no longer be a part of the House bill. Uh, that strike all amendment has not actually been adopted yet. It got temporarily postponed in its committee uh, during interim committee weeks due to just a formality, uh, due to a, a title change amendment. Uh, but that's something we can you know look for going forward. Uh, what it does instead of the, the registration fee is it requires a special estimating session uh, by the Revenue Estimating Conference, as well as requires a, a study on the fiscal impact of more electric vehicles on the roads by the Office of Economic and Demographic Research. Uh, so unfortunately, this just does not have the, the teeth we initially were hoping for out of this bill, um, because, you know, like I said, and as Amir mentioned, this was really meant to be a mechanism to kind of replace the lost fuel tax revenue uh, with more non traditional cars on the road. Um, so hopefully the Senate bill gets some momentum. It did actually pass the Senate last year. It's been more of an uphill battle in the House. Interestingly enough, uh, this is something we've actually seen as kind of a larger movement throughout the Southeast, uh, where other states like Georgia and Alabama even have passed similar uh, license taxes on electric vehicles. Uh, so Florida is dragging their feet a little bit on this issue, um, but we're hoping we can get this thing across the finish line in the next year or so. That just about does it for Shop Talk today. Um, but obviously, I think we have a couple plugs before we wrap up. Yeah, we have our legislative day coming Ooh. up on January 17th. <laughs> We're so excited to see everybody in town and just to get to come up here and talk to reps and senators about the issues down home and up home. <laughs> <laughs> um, so please stop on by the office and we will see you guys at the Turnbull Center. Yep, FAC Ledge Day is always a good time, and you guys are such a crucial part of you know what we do. Um, so obviously, we're, we're looking forward to seeing you guys there. We're looking forward to seeing our Palm Beach County folks at Palm Beach Day next week. They are actually kicking off that first week of session. Um, obviously, be on the lookout for our legislative bulletin going forward, and if you need additional details on any of the bills we talked about today or at any point during session, please refer to our bill tracker uh, that is up on the FAC website, uh, and we'll, we'll be updating that uh, you know as often as we can, obviously, as, as things change and evolve and, and move through committees. Um, but thanks for tuning in, guys. we got a good season ahead of us. I'm, I'm feeling real good about Amir and Courtney here. Um, Let's go. 
One day at a time. One day at a time. (laughs) (laughs) One podcast at a time. (laughs) This has been uh, Jared, Courtney, and Amir. We are signing off. Thank you, guys. Thank you.